and gentlemen, welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast with your host, Isabel Ross. As a personal trainer, accredited endurance coach, and now podcast host, Isabel is bringing you the best advice, tips, and tricks for health and athletics. Two Australian trail championships, a 24-hour track race, six-foot track marathon, and has represented Australia three times at the long-distance mountain running world championships. I mean, I guess you could say ain't no valley high or mountain low that she can't run, right? I mean, it's the other way around. Anyways, let's just say she knows a thing or two about running. Did I mention that Isabel has raced all over the world, including participating in the notorious Barkley Marathons? So, yeah, she knows her stuff. You'll be sure to get all your questions answered and maybe even a runner's high just by listening to the advice and good vibes of the Peak Endurance Podcast. Hello, welcome back to the Peak Endurance Podcast. Episode 179 is an episode where Ron and I chat with one of my good friends that I met while I lived in Canada, Lourdes. We recently caught up with her, or when I say recently, earlier in the year, and ran with her a couple of times on our trip um, when we went to Canada after Barclay. Lourdes is always doing an amazing race in some far-flung location, and recently she ran Tour de Chiant. Now, this is a race I really want to do, so I thought I would get her on the pod to chat about this amazing event because I'm pretty sure once you hear about it, you'll want to do it too. Um, as you will hear, she has had many ups and downs this year running all over the world. The lucky thing. In fact, she messaged me after we recorded to say she forgot one race, the Blackfoot 15 miler in May. I was actually meant to do that race back in 2018, but had to go home to Australia as my mum had just had a stroke very difficult times but anyway keep that in mind that there was still another race when you hear her talk, her talk about all the races that she has done this year and I'm not just talking little races they're all big races Lourdes is such a great person so easygoing and chatty now if you're listening with kids in the car please be warned the f-bomb may or may not have been dropped probably yes it was but I have done that occasionally to be fair. It was part of the conversation and to be honest, isn't that word just part of conversation now? And my interviews tend to be fun conversations with awesome people. So it will happen occasionally. Um, I know it did on the last pod I just put out, so please forgive me, but yeah, I try really hard not to swear. Ron and I had so much fun chatting with Lourdes. She is hilarious as you will find out. Do you love the pod? God, I hope so. If you do, did you know that it is super easy to go onto Apple Podcasts and give the show five stars if you think it deserves it? And I'm assuming because you're listening to it, you enjoy it and write a short review. Now, I don't get paid to do this podcast. In fact, it actually costs me money and let me tell you a heck of a lot of time. But knowing that it means something to you makes me keep plugging away at it. The link to Apple Podcasts is in the show notes um, or you can just look it up. And seriously, it doesn't take long. Due to popular demand, I am holding my goal-setting webinar again at the start of the year, next year, obviously. If you want to get your goals sorted and streamlined for 2023, now is your chance. This webinar covers not only setting goals for the year, but for within your races and for the races themselves as well. We will also talk about how to develop the habits to help you achieve your goals. The webinar itself goes for 90 minutes to two hours. I like to be flexible and is interactive throughout the webinar with also question time available at the end. You will also be given workbooks and a recording of the event to go back to. 
all of this for only $70. Go to the website, peakendurancecoaching.com.au and head to the shop to register. Also, please, as I always say, don't forget to support my sponsors, Health, I can't talk, Health, I always do that, don't I? I can't talk at some point. Health and high performance to keep those niggles at bay and keep get you back running healthy and strong if you have had the odd niggle or two. And the best chocolate out there, as it not only tastes good, but is good for you, Peak Chocolate. Go to peakchocolate.com.au to get 15% off some yummy, yummy chocolate that is actually good for you. And these two companies support me um, to put out this podcast, so I'd really love if you could support them. And enjoy the chat that Ron and I have with Lauders. I'm sure you will. Hi, I'm Tracy, and I've been working with Isabel at Peak Endurance Coaching for just over a year now, and I'm really enjoying my time with her. Isabel knows how to create individual programs that are specific to each of her athletes. Um, She really takes into account the whole picture, um, our lifestyles, our strengths, our weaknesses, and whatever our specific goals are. Um, And as a result, we get to achieve our goals, which is so great. So thank you, Isabel. Um, Isabel's own experience is also so valuable to us, and I love how available she is. If, if we ever have any questions or we're not sure about anything to do with our training or outside of our training, um, things like nutrition or um, race plans, what gear to pack, um, Isabel's always there to offer a hand um, and to help us through. So thank you, Isabel. Thanks for being there. Thanks for your support. And I'm looking forward to us achieving our goals this year. Hello and welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast and welcome, Lourdes. Hello. (laughs) You sound so shy, which is totally not you. I know. (laughs) <laughs> so, um, Lourdes, for those people who don't know you, which is probably most people, because at the end of the day, you're a friend that I met in Canada. Um, yeah. So um, maybe just tell people how you got into running um, and then we'll sort of fast forward from there to to explain why you're coming on the podcast. So how did you get into running and ultra running? Okay. Well, I got into running when I was in college. I... um. I swam on the swim team at Virginia Tech. And when I decided to switch my major to architecture, because I knew I wasn't going to go to the Olympics for swimming, <laughs> I stopped swimming. Uh, but part of our regimen for that was running. Yeah. And just to keep fit. And then um, you know, when you're used to, you know, being in a pool for four hours a day, you know, you're just used to moving. I'd always been moving, I'd always been physical you know I'd swum for 12 years and you know high school soccer and um well no not soccer in high school when I was a kid and track you know all the sports that kids do mm-hmm. and then um yeah then well, I just I kind of sports. I did nothing oh <laughs> <laughs> well then I just kept running just for myself my sanity you know yeah, yeah. I'm definitely you know I definitely have an addictive and the OCD personality. And so it always just helped me kind of stay in check. And it's just something I found that I did for myself, you know, 
I yeah. got up every morning and I went for a run and it was nothing that anybody could take away from me, whether it be at school or later in my working years when other people decide to take credit for your things. <laughs> it's something that you did for you. I did it for myself, you know, yeah. completely yeah. selfish. Yeah, yeah. And, and running is to a certain extent, but you know, yeah. um, now also you're, I met you in Canada, but you're American. Yes. But you've also lived in Australia, haven't you? Yes. And that's actually where I started ultra running. Ah, there you <laughs> go. I, 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 yeah, I couldn't work. And we, we, we went there for only six months with my husband's work. And my kids were small and they were in school and I didn't have anything to do all day. And I met some other runners and they got me on onto doing trails and eventually ultras. And then I just kind of kept doing that. <laughs> and where was that? We lived in Newcastle. Newcastle. Yeah, about two oh, hours north of Sydney. Did you do any, for our people, listeners from Newcastle, did you do any of the runs or races around Newcastle? Um, I did, I well, it was <laughs> a long you... time ago. <laughs> I know, I did the Sydney, while we lived there, I ended up living there two years, and we I did the Sydney Marathon uh, twice. I did six-foot track. Yep. Uh, I did some of the smaller runs that like there's a couple 10k runs in Newcastle that I did. Mm -hmm. And um, I did a, a Sri Shamoy event in New Zealand while wow. I was there. And I ran the Great Wall of China. While oh I was my God. There. <laughs> yes. Can you run that? Like, is it you, Well, they, they have a marathon. Oh, have, yeah. I, I believe it was in May, but you have to go through a tour. And there was a group of I think four or five of us friends and we all went together. Right. Yeah. Now, yeah, the so reason was... I got you on the podcast was because you seem to always be doing all these amazing um, races, like really interesting races. Um, and we'll get to some other ones too. But um, you sent me a message on what you've done this year. Excuse me, I have to put on my glasses because Jeez, can't just and um yeah. just this year you've done i don't even know how to say it the tusobia winter ultra tuscobia tuscobia i wasn't sure if the c was pronounced or not the cno canal yeah. 100 100 the west highland way in scotland a relay of um the sinister which was a, a race in canada canada the palisades in utah you, you didn't have to but you still did it um um, what's WHW? Uh, that's the West Highland Way. Oh, that's the West Highland Way. Okay. Then you did Iron Legs and then you've been to Tour de Gion. And that's, and it's only bloody um, October. Sorry, we cut out there. Um, and it's only October and that, and you've done that. So just talk us through, I mean, obviously, yeah, talk us through how this all happened. Or just this year? Yeah, just this year. Then we'll talk about all well, the other crazy races you do. Yeah. I, I don't have a history of being very lucky in lotteries. So, for example, this is my 10th year putting in for Hard Rock. I've never gotten I saw in. your post about and, that because, um, and I, I was talking to Ron about it because they don't have a lot of women that get in on the lottery. And you were like, come on, women, you know? Yes. Well, they changed they changed the rules this past year or last year. And so now instead of it just being a straight out lottery, like it's been in the past, there's a, whatever percentage of women apply is the percentage that will start. 
Uh, so, ah, and ah, then so what the they do is a are... woman can't, yes. So last year was the highest ever. And out of 145 runners, I believe 27 were women. Right. But normally <laughs> it's like 10 to 15. Yeah. So, you know, because... and right now there's like almost 400. Yeah. But is it that women don't necessarily want to do that race or is it like, what is it? Well, I think for one, it's that, you know, when I started applying 10 years ago, there was all, or really more than that, because there might've been a year or two that I didn't yeah. have a qualifier. There was a very small list of qualifying races. Yeah, It was only maybe 10 to 15 at the most. So that has expanded. So yeah. more women qualify, you know, before it's just people in general didn't qualify men and yeah. women, just because it was a much smaller, um, field that would be called, could get in mm -hmm. and with the expansion of it. And I just think just like everything, the trajectory of ultra running in the past 12 years is skyrocketed. Yes. So yeah. I think maybe my first year at the most, there was a couple of hundred entrants. For yeah. 140 and that's men and women yeah. you know and now we're into thousands of yeah. people who have qualified and so you know I think the last couple of years they they keep switching up how the lottery works and you know then you always have the people who are elite who just get in yes and the, there aren't a lot of spaces right and and then you have the repeat people that come back and or sort of like you know I think after five years you're sort of in another character you know category right, yeah. and yeah. yeah you know so like some of these people i know people who've been doing it since you were able to just sign up like my first 100 miler the bear in 2012 i signed up for it and now it's a lottery oh wow yeah it's not big enough in australia right. when there's very few races that you actually have to is there i don't even know if they're... well you've got to have a qualifier but it's yeah. not a lottery if yeah. you qualify, you I mean, I remember, I remember being in Australia and I remember six foot track, like you had to be on the computer and, yeah. and sign up because that one would fill up even back in 2008. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But know? there was still no lottery. Like it was just no, fast. That's right. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. You had to be quick. And, and I think that's the way the US ones were too. But now I think even that, because then the computers were crashing and yeah. then nobody could get on. And so I think they just went to a lottery because- it's just gotten, you know, kind of all out of control, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I um messaged the organisers because they said Barclay Marathons was a qualifier, and oh. I was like, yeah. But he said you have to have done a fun run, and I said, but oh. only two women oh, in the history of the race have done a fun run. He's like, well, the rules are the rules. <laughs> so that, those those two women feel free to enter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. <laughs> So, I think that's probably got to be the hardest qualifier. I know. I thought just getting into Barclays hard enough, surely. <laughs> no. Yes, that should be enough yeah. for sure. Yeah, Especially but anyway. for a woman. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, such is life. Fingers crossed you get in. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. So yeah, anyway. I don't know that my body, I don't know that my body feels that way, but <laughs> <laughs> so so to, all right. So the first race of the year was um the winter ultra what's that one so uh, scobia is up in wisconsin and it's uh, uh considered a winter ultra so you pull a sled that has all of your survival gear in it 
Mm-hmm. And uh, it's on one of their established trails. They have a large snowmobile system in place. And it's called the Tuscobia Trail. And you basically go from one end to the other, <laughs> pulling your sled. And uh, there's very limited aid, you know, maybe just a couple of aid stations. And so you're going quite a far distance. And so you have to have everything with you that, you know, if there's a case of emergency or you need sleep or anything, have everything with you. So how heavy would your sled be? Uh, that one is normally probably about 30, 35 pounds. Uh, they can get up to, you know, depending on the distance. I did the 80. If you're doing the 160, you might get, be closer to, you know, 45 or 50 you know because you're carrying food and water and if you so don't want to have to stop to melt snow which takes half. time uh-huh. yep sorry go on we're just trying to figure out that wasn't what oh that that's right kilos. you guys are in kilos yeah. <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> that's one thing i've lived in metric countries now for yes, a very long time and Canada's I'm metric too. I, I have not picked it up <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that's really hard i reckon yeah, I can't do the Fahrenheit Celsius either. I'm no. still on Fahrenheit. I, I don't so know. I don't know what zero means. Fahrenheit and Celsius. What was the temperature like in the in the winter ultra? Oh, it can depend. I mean, I've done several, ah. and um, I've had everything from you know almost forty degrees Fahrenheit to forty below zero okay so it can really it all just depends Mm -hmm. you actually want it to be colder the sweet spot and i know this well i know in in celsius the sweet spot is about 10 below zero Uh because you want it to be cold enough that that the snow sets yeah so that you you're not going through like sloppy mess Mm -hmm. yeah and you have a lot of clothes on so you don't want to be sweaty yeah 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 that would be the hard bit is um but that's that, the layering yes yeah it, it takes you know i'm very lucky to live here and to be able to practice yes. and you know to literally some days just go out my door out my garage and through the neighborhood with my sled there's a lot of people who can't do that and just so just to be clear I've for always the been listeners. very grateful that i live somewhere yeah, yeah just to be clear for all the listeners you're in calgary canada Yes. Yeah. Canada. I don't think we actually. Oh, I mean, I said Canada, but yes, Calgary. I mean, yeah, I did. And you commented on the interview that I did with um Paul Watkins, who won the Arctic Ultra, and like where he obviously had to train in no snow. Yeah. So yeah, doing a tire pull. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you just had the neighbors looking at you like you were weird, though. (laughs) Yes. I have had that crazy morning. <laughs> Where's your sled? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then I've actually had yep. I, I've actually had somebody ask me if my baby was in there. Ah. I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> like a dead body? No, I'm not dragging the dead body. <laughs> yeah, well, that would be a way of getting rid of the dead body, wouldn't it? I'm just going out training with my sled. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Dump. <laughs> Good way to lighten the sled too. Yeah. <laughs> Dead weight, literally. 
That's right. <laughs> All right. So what was the CNO canal? So the CNO canal is uh it's actually a 200 mile canal in um, Maryland. It it borders Maryland, West Virginia, and Virginia. It used to be a canal where the um they had the boats, you know, pulled by donkeys, you know, before the trains ah. came, right? Before there were trains. That's the way they would move things up and down the river along those three uh, countries, uh, sorry, states. And so then the trains came and the canal became obsolete because obviously the trains were a lot faster. Yeah. And uh, But it's still there and the canal system is still there. And so it's a historic uh, system that um, people, you know, they bicycle, they walk it, they hike it. It's actually, there's a section of it that's part of the Appalachian Trail. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. That's very famous that a lot of people hike. And um, we were just on one section of it. And I looked it up and I wanted to run it mostly because it's close to home to my parents' house. Yeah. And um it was just a nice way to go home and to kind of get them. And I've been doing these for so many years and, you know, they, they don't really understand, you know, but they want to be involved and they want to know more about them. And so I thought that was a way that they could come out and they see me. And it was a, it was a loop. So we, we did three loops. And so they were, were able to see me, you know, a couple of yeah. times. And so that was nice. They were actually able to kind of see what it was all about. Yeah. And oh, that would have been nice. That's it, lovely. Yeah. But it was really hard because it was really flat. Yeah. And it, my feet were just destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people <laughs> underestimate how hard. I mean, like you had to run. Yeah. Well, and you had to like actually run. That's, I mean, that was terrible. <laughs> it is terrible. Who does that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that was, Crazy that was pretty brutal. But I so met some month, really what great What month people. was that in? That was in the end of April. Okay, so the winter ultra was January, then April yeah. was, and that was a hundred miler along the canal. Yep. Yeah. And don't forget, in between that was the the green monster with us. Oh yeah, the green monster with us. Oh, yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that was training. Yes. That was that was a, that was an awesome run. That was a brilliant run. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then the West Highland Way. I remember seeing all your posts about that. What time of day? What time of day? What time of year was that? That's in June. So run that yeah, in June. summer. Was, yeah. The, well, <laughs> and that's I did inverted commas. It's pretty chilly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and it's a it's a beautiful like I can't recommend that race enough. It's it's one that I had actually looked at for several years, like ten years. I've been following the race for a long time, but the logistics of it are difficult in the sense that it's in Scotland. And when you go, it's mandatory to have a crew and ah. a driver ah. and also mandatory to have a pacer. Ah. Um, now for international runners, they pair you with locals and they paired me with two women, which was fantastic. And because they both had knowledge of the trail, it's a, it's, I think the oldest were one of the oldest established ultra runs in scotland but the west highland trail is actually a trail that people hike yes. like you know they go like a through hike so they do yeah. it for three or four days and they camp along so how long the was the race 
the race was it's 95 well 95 i think they moved the the, the finish this year so it was like 97 miles oh okay yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah. yeah so the established trail is like 95 miles but we yeah. start a little bit like or, you know, you, you begin in a town called Mongabi outside of Glasgow, and you basically run north to Fort William, which is in the Highlands. Yes, yep, yep. And um, <clears throat> so the two women that you got paired with, one of them was your driver and one of them was your pacer? No, no, both of them were pacers. My husband went as my driver. Oh, okay. he, he had the car, and then he would meet, like, they their, their aid stops were basically water every a couple of them maybe had a couple things but like he had to be at certain well they have to be at certain spots they have to check in and then they're required to basically feed you and everything i suppose that um <clears throat> means then that the race organizers don't have to organize aid stations um as in food wise yeah i think it, yeah the food it was pretty minimal you know, some of them had stuff, but for the most part, yeah, no, it's it's pretty much like you're you're supposed to be pretty self-supported. Yeah, yeah. And how well, what was that your, like? What was it like then? It was, was it, it, it was beautiful. I mean, it was. You know, you start in the south and you go all along uh, Loch Lamont. Well, the first like twenty or so miles are actually very runnable. And the cutoffs are quite tight. Uh, and then, you know, the further you go and the more you start hitting trails and stuff, it becomes a little bit more lenient with time. But I think maybe I came into the first one with like only 45 minutes. Like, it, you know, wow. it's not really, you don't really start banking time till later on. And, um, you know, like all Scotland weather, we got hit with, a, you know, gale force winds and yeah. massive storm. <laughs> So, you know, on the second half of the course, but, um, but I, I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed pretty much all of it, except for one section that was kind of like on a brick kind of sidewalk road. Uh, yeah. And that was just tore my feet, you yeah. know, but um, the fact that once we got into the North, you know, you could see them in rows and we were kind of running between them which I really enjoyed after having done dragons back in 2019 and we were going up and over everything. It was really <laughs> nice to just go between, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and, and the two women, Katie and Fiona, who paced me are just like they're friends for life. They were so sweet and so wonderful and so knowledgeable, you know, every now and again, I really didn't understand anything that they were saying to me, but it didn't really matter. <laughs> yeah. You just kept me smile. going and that's all. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, because well, especially if they were from Glasgow, that's a very strong accent. Oh <clears throat> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, but they, but they were great, and they both had so much knowledge. I think Fiona has climbed all of the Monroes, all two hundred and eighty-two oh, wow. of them in Scotland in her young in her thirties. And Katie had done. There's two other races. One is called the Highland Fling, and yeah. it's sort of the first half of the trail and then there's the devil staircase which is kind of the second half and she had done both of those races and she's hoping what you know to put it all together one day but she uh -huh. hadn't quite done that yet and so but she you know just having somebody not because the the course isn't marked per se by the uh -huh. race but it's marked in the sense of 
because it's an established trail, there's established yeah. trail markings. Yeah. But yeah. you know, those can be a little there's quite a bit of people going off the course. Yes. From what yeah. I understand. Yeah, yeah. So. I can imagine. Especially because when you're doing these things, you're not always, you know, hundred percent with it, are you? That's right. And, you know, especially in the very beginning, I was very happy. I was sort of like, I stuck myself in the middle of a group of Scottish runners because we were kind of going, you know, in and out of the trail and in through neighborhoods and none of uh-huh. that was marked. Oh, wow. And so I was really happy to be with people who knew yeah. kind of where to go. So. Makes, makes it kind of easier. Then in, um, I think it's July, you did Sinister. That's yes. July, isn't it? Yeah. And leg three, how long is yeah. leg three? I can't remember. Uh, leg three is that the one that they call devil's ball sack or something. <laughs> <laughs> because it's usually the heat of the day. But this year it was reversed. So we were actually at night. Like I started at like 10 oh, o'clock What do you night. mean it was reversed? Did they reverse directions of the race? They reversed the entire course. Ah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, so um, that was interesting um, in, in the sense that, you know, Brian decided not to change any of the signage. So <laughs> you were going backwards, but like, it was a bit confusing. Like you're thinking you're going to CP1, it was really CP3 and then CP2. And then, you know, so, it, you know, there were a couple and, and I was in the dark. Like yeah. I know that leg really well, but in the, in the dark, it all looks the same, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's so, but it was, it was fun. I had a great team, super fun. It was kind of one of those last minute things. But that's often, that's often the best. Not a lot of pressure. Yeah. 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 Okay. So then you went to the Palisades in Utah. What race is that? So um, that's a race I should have done a little bit more research on before signing up for. (laughs) (laughs) In the history of the race, two women have finished it. Or Uh, four, I think. Four now. So and, how long um, is it? It's a hundred miles and it's at elevation, which I found hard. And it was like 115 degrees, which uh-huh. was hard. And I was still exhausted from West Highland Way. So, so when was, you say it was at elevation, because I really, Calgary, Calgary's at a thousand meters. So what's yeah, what's, but we, we started at five something and then we were going above ten. Uh-huh. We stayed feet. there like yes, yeah, yeah, feet, yeah. yeah. And it's just it was just that you know, I had no trouble with the climbs. It was those just straight up, straight down, mm-hmm. straight, but those straight downs for me are hard. And I was just I I got into trouble with I think being like a bit of almost heat heat um either exhaustion or stroke um like for example I probably took I don't normally take gels very much I think I took like 15 of them because I couldn't eat oh wow and I didn't poop one time oh my god I mean I know that sounds like weird but like if you think about how you normally take a gel and then poop out a gel (laughs) it's kind of like what you do so then to know I had 15 of the like my bowels had just kind of like shut down like I think I was just I mean I didn't go into it I had actually asked them if I could please because this was a deferral um from 2020 and I'd asked them if I could please defer that I was I just gotten back from Europe and I was tired and they were like no so I didn't want to lose my money so I was like okay so I just went 
And, you know, I, I'm proud, you know, five women started, 19 five. started the hundred. Of the five were women, only two of us got out of the 50 mile aid station. Wow. So that, and I, I actually timed out. I, I was, I was, could have kept going, but I timed out at 80. And what happened to the other woman? Just, she didn't make it out. She didn't make it in. She didn't make it in in time. Yeah. And so why so, do women find that race so hard? Do you think because of the time factor? Uh, I Well, I think the time factor, I mean, there were two guys still out on the course when they hit 36 hours and he's like, well, they won't get a finish. Ah. Like, which I'm going to be honest, I think is, you know, pretty shitty. Like if, yeah. he, and, and it was 115 degrees, like, yeah. you know, it's not like it was pristine, you know, temperatures. I think if they did that in the fall, yeah. it would, you know, I think if heat wasn't a factor and it's, you know, none of it, like it's very exposed, you're not very protected at all. Um, and there just aren't a lot of places to make up time because you're on this single track and sometimes like the grass is up to here. And yeah. so even if you're like going downhill and you feel like you could run, you can't see, you can't yeah. see your feet. You can't mm -hmm. see anything. Your poles are getting stuck. And, you know, it just, it, I mean, I, there's a lot of things about it that I liked. I thought it was a beautiful course, but I'm going to be honest, like starting with 90, it's like, I was by my, I came into the very first aid station dead last. Yeah. Like there was, and I hadn't seen anybody in hours, yeah. you know? And so, and, you know, eventually, you know, I think the heat caught up with a lot of people. I don't, I think maybe there were five finishers to wow. be honest. And I think, you know, the heat caught up with a lot of people went out too fast and it just, the aid stations were pretty far, eh, they weren't too far apart, but I don't know. And if that those would do a loop one way and then loop yeah. back. So you kind of know what you're going to do, but you don't, cause you don't really remember it when you're seeing it the other direction, but I don't know. Yeah. It was just, yeah. That was, yeah, yeah it is what it is. Yep, I, I got it. 80 mile training. I got an 80 mile training run in and, and good <laughs> elevation training. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's, true. Just, that's true. I just felt, yeah. But it took me a long time. It took me a, a solid two weeks to recover from that. I mean, I um, felt awful from yeah. just, and it wasn't just mentally because I hadn't finished. Like physically, I was just destroyed. And mm -hmm. so that's why I know it was definitely something physiological going on with me because yeah. I just felt just, it took me so long to recover. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So then you did the iron legs, um, 60 K and, um, and yes. you said to me, you did that because you needed to, you know, you needed something, a win for your head after the DNF. Yes. Yes. I, yes. I definitely like my confidence was kind of shot, shot. Yeah. and in the sense of like crap, like I'm facing 200 miles and yeah. you know, I can't get a hundred. Like, what am I going to do? And I, it, it did really kickstart me getting my ass back out to the mountains, which yeah. I needed because I really hadn't done it before Palisades, which was obviously a mistake. Yeah. Um, and you know, being out on the, the Iron Lights course, knowing the Iron Lights course. Being Are we back? Yeah. I don't know if it's still recording. 
There we go. So sorry, you were saying we dropped out again. You were out there on the Iron Legs course. Yep. Yeah, and it, I just really wanted to enjoy the day. So I took the 60 and to tell you the truth, at the end of the day, I was like, whoa, when you do the 60, that's like really runnable. <laughs> it ended up being tough, you know, because you, you're like, oh, it's only 60. I need to be like, I need to be running. I need to be running. I need to be running. And then I thought, well, crap, I've been running like all day. <laughs> Yeah. You know, so, but it was great. We had a beautiful day and, you know, that's a great race. It's and that's very the one well inside, you know, and, you know, one of my favorites for sure. Yeah. That's out in Kananaska. Uh, yeah. Out, out of Station Flats yes, and so over uh, Power Face and. Yeah. Just at past Prairie. Oh, uh, yeah. And all that area. Okay. Yeah. It's a good area. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where I do a lot of my training. And so they're trails that I know really well and I'm comfortable. I know the course. I know what direction to go. I knew I wasn't going to get lost or anything. <laughs> so, and it's just great. It's always fun to be out there and see everybody. You, yes. know, you know so many people and that's yeah. really fun. Yeah, yeah. And was Leah there at, the, at one of the aid stations with his, um, with his fireball? Oh, yes. Yes. Good to hear. Did you have a shot? Uh, no, I did not have a shot. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> now, after the last race where my bowels stopped working, I thought best to just, I'll, I'll keep the shots for after. Yes, fair enough, fair enough. Okay, so then ultimately, that was like you said, it was training for, um, and you said a 200 miler. And of course, that 200 miler was not just yeah. any 200 miler, but the Tour de Gion. So hi, what's yes. the lottery like for that one? Um, well, I'd always heard that it was like really hard that, you know, you put your name in and then you wait a, quite a few years and that's what I expected. So I put my name in and then I think my name was pulled first because <laughs> it was <laughs> the first one on the list. That's awesome. So I, I went upstairs and I was like, guess what? We're going to Europe twice this year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, so, not such a bad thing. <laughs> Yeah, no, it turned out to be not such a bad thing. <laughs> so talk us through how that yeah. race went. Well, um, other aside from being terrified. Uh, so why? Because, why you know, well, I just this this format, I had done covered 200 miles at Dragon's Back in 2019, but that is a staged race right so it's you're you're running from i think six in the morning till 11 o'clock at night and then you rep you have a forced stop right as long as you make the time um this one you have 150 hours to cover the complete course they describe it as 330 kilometers with 31,000 meters of gain yeah so um the reality is that it's 357 kilometers <laughs> and a little bit more game. <laughs> but I mean, it doesn't, you know, really at that point, it doesn't matter. But you have 150 hours from when you start. You have the clock starts ticking and it doesn't stop. And you have 150 hours to do the course. Again, it is a, it's a course that's an established course. It goes on the route one from you begin in Cormier yeah. in Italy. And this is the Osta Valley. And you have a, a little handy dandy, little handy dandy map. <laughs> 
So you begin, you begin over here and you actually travel south and you go around and then you on the one or no on the two and then you come back up along the one the route one so at around halfway you switch over from route but okay. it's literally an established sort of like the trail de mont blanc it's an yeah. established trail that people hike you know all the time and um i mean i can't say enough good things about it it was literally everything that i wanted it to be and i feel like I did everything I could to have the best experience out there that I could. And that was fantastic. Um, the only little blip was that mother nature <laughs> decided to dump almost a foot of snow over the last coal. And so the race was stopped. Yeah. So if you didn't uh, make it, was that? I was 332 kilometers at that oh. point. Oh, no. so yeah. we literally had one kilometer climb to the coal and then run back down into town oh. <laughs> like 19 kilometers back down <laughs> so that you know that's a bit you know at at the time i understood why they stopped it and they made the right decision you know, especially in lieu of things that have happened in China and yeah, in some of these other ultras where people have been exposed and they've lost, they've lost people, you know, just be, just because like nobody, you know, everybody went there to finish, but nobody went there to die, you know, yeah. and they had a set of professional mountaineers go up to the cold check because they were hoping they, at first they suspended the race. But, and they had a couple of mountaineers go up to check the conditions. The problem is, is that the, if you look at the mountain, the mountain was coming, the, the storm was on this side. We were on this side uh. and we already had, I'd say almost half a foot of snow. We climbed up to the last refugio in whiteout conditions. And when we got up there, the ice, this is what the, once you, climb up to that coal the descent the first 300 meters of that is the steepest of the entire race oh. and it's roped and everything but what had happened was the storm had you know dropped rain and ice and then snow on top of it so the ropes were covered the flags were covered like they're sort of uh, these like metal steps built into the mountain to help you navigate down yeah and all of that was was covered so they sent some mountaineers up and they had told us that they were the mountaineers would come down, they'd get groups of us and take us up and over the coal and then let us run to town. But apparently when the mountaineers came back, they said their report was that without crampons, ropes, and ice picks, we oh, wouldn't be wow. able to get down. Wow. <laughs> I was just like, yeah. I was like, well, mm, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> like, like, you know. But so still, that was a bit, yeah. But still, it would have been disappointing. Well, I mean, they, you know, they, the, yeah, that they, they, what they did was they put us on basically. They, we backtracked the trail that we had taken up. They backtracked us half of the way and then put us onto sort of like a service road back right. down to town. Um, and then they picked us up in buses and 
uh, and then they drove us back to Cormier. But you know, they mm -hmm. were very generous and and still considering us finishers because had you made it to the this checkpoint and to the checkpoint before ours, before the cutoff, then you were considered because you would have had like I got to that last refuge. And I had 13 hours oh. to do 20 kilometers. Yeah. yeah. So. And you'd already, you'd already yeah, done the, time... the advertised distance as well, hadn't you? Yes, that's right. That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> I was like, asking, anybody have a watch? How far have we made it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And I do believe actually that that's why like I've gotten very lucky that Hard Rock accepted it as a qualifier ah, because they said yeah. you've made it over 200 miles. And since they have all of Candace's 200 yeah. miles that are, you know, less than half the elevation, they, yeah. they went ahead and accepted it, which was I think, generous. Like, you know, they didn't have to do that. And, you know, so it, um, but, to you know how much yeah. did you sleep very often? Um, well, <laughs> I, tr I tried, I, I knew I wasn't going to sleep before the hundred kilometer mark. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I'm just too used to going at least 36 to 40 hours without sleeping. Wow. So I didn't even try. And then, um, when I first did try, I have to say like, they really do have their life bases are well set up more than enough cots. The only thing is that it's very hot. Like, you know, you're out and you're in the cold and yeah. then you get into these things and they're like extremely hot. So uh -huh. for menopausal women, it's not <laughs> great. <laughs> I was like, they, I asked, they did not have fans. <laughs> you know? and, and you just have so many people and the snoring and them. So uh, I had been told, luckily, a friend of mine, Nikki Wren, I don't know if you yes, know her. I know she's her. Yeah. yeah. So she's, she's done the tour three times. Oh, wow. And yeah, she really, like a mentor, she yeah. really took me under her wing. And not only did she help me prepare physically, going out on trails, watching the way I climbed, watching the way I descended, giving me hints like do this, do that, just to move better, to be yeah. more efficient. She really helped me prepare mentally for what it was going to be. And I just, I can't even thank her enough because I just so many times when I was out there, I thought, you know, I didn't, you know, she would tell me things and I was like, okay. And I even made a list. I said this to her, TDG tips from Nikki. <laughs> I like it. And I had, you're going to have to send and, me a copy. <laughs> yes. And I really, and you know, some just, you know, you don't believe until you're out there. Like she said, after the third, I was like, oh, I'm going to be so sore and I'm going to be so tired. And she's like, you know what? After three days, everything stops hurting. Nothing hurts anymore. And you just keep going. Your body just gets used to it. Your body stops sending the brain signals that you're hurting because you even though it's been doing that for two days, you keep moving. Yeah. yeah. And she was right. Like on the third day, I'm like, dude, to do. I was like, oh, yeah. She told me that, you know, oh don't worry about it don't worry about the time people look at this as a hiking holiday through Italy and I'm like well that's easy for you to say like you're fast <laughs> like, my hiking like my running is her hiking right <laughs> so but she was right like it, you know it really was like you were out there and it, it was definitely more I, I'm gonna say more relaxed 
in the sense of I didn't feel an urgency as far as time-wise, because, you know, I would check, but I was always at least several hours, you know, yeah. sometimes 10 hours, sometimes eight hours, sometimes six hours, sometimes 12 hours ahead of cutoffs. So I, I didn't have any worry about that. The issue was just keeping putting one foot in front of the other. And really my mantra the entire time was move, eat, move, eat, move, eat, sleep, repeat. And I just kept doing that move, eat, move. Like I just, I kept eating. I kept drinking. I kept my, there are six life bases along the course about every 50 kilometers. There's what they call a life base. And you have a bag. It's like a, a duffel bag that they give you and you can fill it. And that bag goes with you. So when you get to a life base, it's there, then you leave and they transport it to the next one. Wow. So, but you're limited to, to what's in that bag, but you also, you can have a race assistant and that person can bring you things, bring you food because they're, I, I liked the food that they had. Basically it was all very basic pasta, um, you know, fruits like dried fruit, apricots, prunes, cheese, bread, you know, very basic things but always the exact same, basically. Yeah. So every now and again, it was kind of nice, like Lee brought me a pizza. Yeah. And not only was it nice for me to eat something different, then I also could share it with yeah. other people. So that was really nice. And um, I did have a little bit of an issue with uh, the, the life bases weren't really allowing the assistants to come in to uh, the life base. So you had to kind of go in, get your stuff, go back out, oh, do stuff, go back in, okay. get food, come back out. You know, mm -hmm. so that was a little bit of a, a mosh pit. It didn't used to be like that before COVID. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But, um, but in that sense, the race is one of the things I think I found very different about this race and other ones is that there aren't any major sponsors. It is really put on by the Oster Valley and the peoples of the Oster Valley. Yeah. So you really felt that, that it was a, it, it is a huge race in the sense that there's a thousand runners. They, yeah. We started in two different heats, you know, one went off at 10, one went off at noon. So that helps spread it out a bit. But like when you came into any a life base or you all, there's also small aid stations between or refugios, if you were up in the mountains, there were refugios. If you were down in the towns, in the valleys, there would be small aid stations at somebody's farm or yeah. in the middle of the street or like at the, like say in town at like in the convention center or something, right? And you just, you really felt like the people were, I mean, they just did, they bent over backwards for you yeah. and the cheering and, you know, you couldn't go five feet without somebody saying, you know, Oh, brava, brava. Especially when they saw that you were a woman, they yeah. were just like, Oh my gosh, you know, they were so supportive and, and so wonderful. And like, it almost felt like in some of the small towns, people were just bringing stuff from out of their house, like, <laughs> you know, like, like, sandwiches and stuff and just, oh, that's like, awesome you know it you know it was really and that I think that is really what I went for I mean I, obviously the views and the physical the physical challenge of it yes I went for that as well but everything I have followed this race 
again, probably, I'd say at least eight years. And everything about it to me was, it reminded me of what races were like 10 years ago, 12 years ago when I started, right? Yeah, and this is obviously on a larger scale, right? But it's still, it's, it's not, it's not the juggernaut, I don't think, that UTMB has become, yes. right? Or Western states or Hard Rock even. It ha- hasn't become that type of juggernaut. There's still a lot of people who've never heard of it. Yeah. And it's, I think, mostly run by people who are European. You don't have, I mean, yes, you have some good runners in there, but like Killian's never done it. Courtney's no. never done it. A lot of the sponsored athletes have never done it. And I assume it's because it's not sponsored. Yeah. Right. So they're, I mean, I don't know, but that's what I assume. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. they, you know, they could obviously go out there and crush the floors. Yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, I just, I mean, I could just go on and on for days. <laughs> so what, it was, um, it was, what were the climbs like? Because they're pretty bloody long, aren't they? They are really long and really hard. I have never, I have never climbed so slow in my life. <laughs> I mean, I really, <laughs> A little like after the site, I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, I can't, I was like, <gasps> like, it felt like I couldn't even, and the elevation, it's not that high. I mean, it gets up to like 11,000, but I've done races yeah, at 11,000. So yes. I, I was like, what is, you know, I don't know if it's just the way they come at you or, you know, maybe it's a bit of the jet lag and all mm-hmm. of that too. And the stress that, you know, you have six days and you're at day two and you can't breathe. like oh god i've got six more days of this (laughs) um so yeah that i mean i I think day two really was like a slap in the face just like i I don't like i'm never ever ever doing this again (laughs) like this is so hard and then standard ultra runners refrain Right. And yeah, but then you meet this guy who's like 75. He's like, yeah, this is my 10th time. And you're like, <laughs> what? <laughs> you know? And then he's just like, <laughs> and I'm like, and you're like, why can't I catch up to him? He is like 80. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it was like, I mean, it was really like the climbs. It, it's not a joke when they say that you climb for three to five hours. Oh my God. Like there's, there's one 50 kilometer session. I believe it's after the third life base, which is called Donis. Between Donis and Gresini is 57 kilometers. And it's an average of 24 hours to do that. Oh my God. So, yeah. yeah so it's, and I knew, yeah, thanks to Nikki, I knew, <laughs> I knew that. And so I was keeping in perspective, but it really helped a lot that I met some great people along the way that I spent time with. And that was wonderful. It's always great to get out of your own head and meet other people. You know, some of them had, a, you know, just a ton of knowledge about the course, sometimes yeah. too much knowledge. Like, I don't like to know yeah. too much, but, yeah. but it helps, you know, just to, to hear, to know. And thank goodness, Gresini is the next life, the fourth life base. And they said the, the race gets easier after that. So just hearing, like hearing yeah. that, like, oh, it's going to get easier. It's going to get easier. Yeah. And even though it doesn't really feel easier, you think to yourself, oh yeah, this, this feels easier. <laughs> better. Like, better. It's like the placebo effect. You can convince yourself. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think so. And, yeah. and then I was like, oh yeah, this is why people 
you know, come back because this part's really nice. And and am I correct in um, believing that sometimes the downhills weren't that much of a reprieve anyway? Well, the problem with the downhills is just like the ups go on forever, so do the downhills. So yeah, you know, the first hour of downhill is great, but four hours into a downhill, you're like, oh, somebody kill me. (laughs) It's funny because I didn't hallucinate. You know, I did sleep quite you know once I got the hang of the sleeping I, I I feel like I I got the hang of it quite well so I I only had two big hallucinations but one of them was on the long downhills I would hallucinate that over the corner I would see a bridge and I was like oh there's a bridge that must just lead us out off of this trail but then it'd be like another 50,000 switchbacks oh and God. like that and you kept looking and, and I'd see a bridge I, that's the way out that's the way out and two hours later I was still going downhill <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> so yeah, they, I mean, they can be technical. It's, you know, technical, rocky. Um, there yeah. were some places I find myself very surprised that I was actually passing some people on the downhill. Yeah. So some of the, you know, it's like anything, right? You, you have your lows and you have your highs and you just have to yes. kind of get through the low to get to that high. And it's just kind of depending on my, my biggest issue with the downhills was later in the race. They were so long. My stomach was kind of turning, oh, yeah. you know, like yeah. just because you're just, you don't tend to eat as much going downhill. Yeah. And so I think it, you, cause you just kept thinking, oh, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Yeah. I'm almost there. You just had to remind yourself, no, you got like four hours of downhill left to go. <laughs> You know, and you'd so, have to be so careful yeah, that, of not blowing out your quads on those downhills, wouldn't you? Yes. But I mean, I go downhill so slowly that, yeah, that wasn't really an issue. The biggest <laughs> issue I had was that I took a bad fall about uh, 15 miles into the race. Oh, no. And it created a hematoma oh. on my right butt cheek, which <laughs> literally, Sorry, literally looked like. Yeah, no, it looked like a baseball sticking out. Of my, <laughs> it was awful. I can send you pictures if you like. <laughs> Please do. I'll yeah. share them. <laughs> no, you not. You do not want to share it. it. That's how I met this one girl. Is uh, Claudine? I went up to her and I was like, "Um, excuse me, but does this look? Do you mind touching this? Does this look okay?" And she and she looked at me. She's like, "Oh, I don't need to touch that, but that does not look okay." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Okay, thanks." That's <laughs> amazing. And where else in life would you be showing someone else your ass? <laughs> but. You know, and to be honest, like to this, like it's still, it's still tender, oh, but, wow. you know, and, and then I took another fall, which I think, I think broke my finger. Yes, <laughs> it does look weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. it was definitely contorted and not right. And when yeah. I looked at it, I just went like this and I was like, <clears throat> and I yanked oh, it. Yeah, and yeah. it. Yeah. But yeah, I still can't bend it. So <laughs> that's <laughs> not lovely. great. No. but I, I noticed you haven't been to the doctor about it no no I have I oh, have okay. to doctor about it yeah in fact I'm going to go see an orthopedic ah. ne- uh, next week you know I'm just I'm hoping that they don't tell me that they have to re-break it at this point I'm but there's like a definite dent in my knuckle and it's you know it, it doesn't it, feel is right is it necessary to bend it like what do you need that what do you need it for well, when I shake people's hands, it's kind of excruciating. 
Fair <laughs> and like opening things. Yeah. You know? Luckily, I'm left-handed, so it hasn't been that big of a deal. Yeah, you know? but that that's and a fair point. I, I mean, I wasn't. Yeah, it, when you're, I mean, uh, that probably happened. I think I was on the section before the last life base, so it would have been in the last maybe seventy kilometers. Yeah, you know? uh, so nearly at the end. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You were nearly there. I was almost there. I was almost there. That's right. Stupid Mother Nature. Yeah. And snow of all things. I know. Yeah, I love snow. I do yeah. winter ultras, and for to have it be snow, that's so not. That was. Do you think you'll ever go back? Well, I would say no, but then every now and again, I say. Oh, I need to go back because I didn't really finish. Yeah. And because I, I really did love it. Like, yeah. Like if I had to do another hundred miler, there isn't another hundred miler that I look on a calendar and I say, oh, that's a hundred miler that I want to do. There's no other one that I want to do. Yeah. So, you know, it would be different. I feel like I've learned a lot from yeah. the first experience. Um, and I probably shouldn't share this, but I, you know, I'm not a, a Garmin person. I'm not a tag person, which pisses everybody off. So what I did was I got a Garmin and I said to myself that, you know, that it would just seemed like such a big chunk. Like I didn't want to look down at my watch and see 130 miles and be yeah. like, oh, I still got 70 to go. What I did every, at every life base, I saw a watch. Yeah. So at any point I only ever had 50, 50 some odd. Oh, no. Okay. Right. <laughs> So, yeah, I kind of tricked myself into like, okay, 50K done. And I'd stop it. And then I would have two hours, say, at a life base. Then I'd start it again, go, right? So I get back and, you know, my total time for the distance I made was 137 hours, according to the race. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, it's not too, well, let me look up what my moving time is figuring my moving time is probably going to be because remember the two hours at each life yes. base, give or take aren't counted. So that's 12, say 14 hours that aren't accounted for. So I was like, well, so my moving time is probably going to be like a hundred hours or something. It was 65 hours. So <laughs> 65. I don't know. What the fuck was I doing? <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's like, because really? he thought, he thought when you were going so slowly up the hill that you weren't moving. <laughs> that's, that's what, what Nikki said. Done. I'm like, well, that's even worse. I was moving and it didn't know I was moving. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that what's just worse. means you have to do it like, again. This is why I was like, this is why I don't like technology. I was like, yeah. in my head, I was moving and I was so strong and I kept going. And then I look at it and apparently I was just sitting around picking my nose. <laughs> I was like, I don't even want to get pictures. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I know I was moving. Why doesn't this, you know, show me move? So that was a bit, you know, that was a bit of a slap in the face. <laughs> 65 hours. What? That's like half like, the time. <laughs> Not even. That's like yeah. less than that. Oh my god! And again. <laughs> That's not that's not counting the fourteen hours that I was in life bases. Of course, so it makes yeah. it worse. Oh my god! Yeah, it's it, it just terrible. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I know. 
then I think to myself, I missed, you know, going over that pole by a couple of hours because of yes. the storm. If I had just been moving earlier, yes. you know, but what a question. Like I know, I know. Yeah. And that's what I tell myself. And and the fact that I, you know, I gotta say, one of I think my proudest moments was at the very last life base before not life base, but the very last checkpoint, St. Remy, before heading up to the last refugio. I looked around kind of at the carnage, like I had slept two and a half hours. Yeah. And then I called my husband because the temperature, I realized the temperature drops like 20 degrees. And I was like, you know, please bring me my puffy coat and my pants. It's, I think we're going to head up. It's raining here. We have a five mile climb. I yeah. think I'm going to need my, my puffy coat. And well, my husband got lost and didn't show up. So I wasted two out two more hours waiting for him. <laughs> His fault now. And then but uh, yeah, but the the in that time when I was sitting there, I made sure like I had slept two two and a half hours. I had I was eating, I was drinking, I, I felt really good. And I, I knew we had like less than 30k to go for yes. the whole thing so i figured i'm going to get to this next one i'm going to push over the coal and i'm going into town if i you know need an hour nap on the trail or something i'll just do that but i knew i didn't have to sleep and i felt great but the carnage that i saw around me at that aid station people not sleeping people not eating people fighting with their crews oh, you, you really? know you, you really you saw the sort of the week-long deprivation right yeah. of people and the people who you know obviously the people who really weren't sleeping except were ahead of us you know, yeah because they were moving faster um but that i think you know it so, like in that moment i remember sitting there and, and being thinking to myself knowing how many hours i still had left and how far i had to go and that you know not knowing you know at that point they weren't telling us that there was yeah. snow up there because that um, I felt like I was like, you know, even though it's taken me a long time to do this, I feel like I've done it well. I've executed it well in the sense of that I did it within my myself. I did it within, like, I didn't, you know, I didn't feel like I was completely stressed out or anything. And I recovered very quickly afterwards. So, you know, obviously you feel tired and you're hungry for like a week or so, but just because of the sleep deprivation, but I really felt like the way I ended up handling the sleep situation once I was able to sleep yeah, was, was really good for me. You know, it worked well for me that like when I needed sleep, I stopped and I slept and I took, I did the two hours of sleep. I had watched, I don't know if you've ever looked up Tour de Jean on YouTube, but yeah, yeah, I've been watching are, his, the, yeah. Oh yeah, the videos and videos yeah. and videos. I watched so many of them when I was training here at home, like on my treadmill. Yeah. That there were moments when I was out on that trail and it was like deja vu. Yeah. And I don't know if it was like the sleep deprivation or, you know, type it. I'd be like, I know I've been here. And I'm looking <laughs> around and I was like, I, I've done this. I know I've done this. And I'm like, you've never been here. <laughs> like, what are you <laughs> saying? You know, it was crazy. Like, I really felt like, oh, like, oh, yeah, I remember this. I remember that. And I was like, no, you don't remember that. You've never been here. So I don't know if it was like my mind sort of replaying the videos that I'd seen yeah, over I'm and sure over and over again. There, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, that, that was the one thing that's never happened to me at a race before ever. Yeah. And so I thought that, that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is, I mean, and, and the things you hallucinate though are, are always quite fun, but, um, you know, <laughs> so what's next for you? So you've put in for, um, hard rock. Um, have you got any plans yeah. for before then? Uh, I have Arrowhead 135 at yeah. uh, the end of January, which is another winter ultra. And um, yeah, no, pretty much. I mean, I'm still toying with the, going back to tour. I was like, Lee, can't we just move to Europe for like a year? It'd be so easy <laughs> if I lived there already. Come on, it's I not also, that far for you even. I know. I know I have pre-registered for UTMB because again, I was in it for 2020 uh, and we were able to defer to 2023. And so the only problem is West Highland Way gave me points and I assumed that TDG gave me points. So. so I was kind of upset really I didn't finish because then I wouldn't get points, but apparently it was never, it ah. never gave points. Mm. To that part, of, part of it's on the so, same I know. I, again, I think it's like I said, I think it's because the uh, organizations, yeah. right? Are, this was even before Iron Man bought it. So, yeah. I mean, unless I, I can throw in something that has points before and, and now it's become so complicated with UTMB and the oh, stones and the, the like, stones, I, I, like what the hell, honestly. So, it's I don't need, and then now you have to do their their rate their race series. Yes, yeah. You know, because yeah. races that used to give you UTM points, like I think Iron Legs used to give them to you. I don't think that they do anymore. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, I, you know, for all those years that I was qualified and I had the points for it, I don't know that I do. But yeah. I just threw in my pre-registration. I think that if you don't actually have the points, they just throw you out anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But and, I sort of um, feel like at this point, if worse comes to worse and I don't get into UTMB, I can just kind of go and do it myself if I feel yes. like, you know, maybe find some people, Fanny, Kara, yes. you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I reckon it would be an awesome. Go over there. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, have bike, a holiday. Backpacking, oh, you know. Yeah. 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 Um, the year that Fanny did it. She ran it, and then Leslie and some other girls went over, I think, like a week or two later, and they fast-packed it. Yeah. And Fanny's like, you know, I spent mostly two nights on the course, and they did the whole thing in maybe maybe a day extra, but they did it all in the daylight. Yes, where you get to so see it. it. Makes, yeah, it almost makes more sense. Yeah, to, yeah I agree. To and, and I don't know what I, you feel, but when you're racing – is you're not often looking at the beautiful vistas and all that sort of stuff because you're focused on cutoffs and finishing and doing this and that. Whereas when you do it as a yeah. holiday, you're more likely to enjoy it anyway. Well, yes, but I think you race more than I do. <laughs> you race. Well, I used to. I take pictures. I eat a sandwich. <laughs> Obviously, I don't move a whole lot. So. <laughs> You're just sitting there picking your nose. That's right. Yeah, I'm just sitting there. <laughs> and apparently not even looking around. I don't know what I'm doing. So, so I, you know, I do think that, you know, the issue with that, of course, is actually finding the people that are actually going to show up and yeah. do it, you know, and really enjoy it. And, you know, but I do feel like, you know, I do know a good group of, 
of people. And yes, if people are willing to do something like that, then I think, you know, that's, I think that I, especially I think after having the experience of tour, which was kind of like that, like you're yeah. kind of self sufficient yeah. there for quite a while. Um, I do feel like pretty much all the people that I know have enough um, experience that they could do that and just go out there and just really, you know, enjoy, you know, go out there and enjoy it in like, you know, four, four days and, yeah. you yeah. know, really see it. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's something, um, because I don't think I, I've done CCC, but I don't think I would bother entering UTMB as much as I want to do Tour de Jump, but Ron and I have discussed just doing the trail anyway. Yeah. That's right. Spending yeah. a couple of days doing yeah, it. Sounds, you know, I'm, I'm not a, a hundred mile type person. So for me, that's much more attractive doing it over a couple of days. Yeah. But and I think tour would be perfect for somebody like you because really yeah. your average, like my watch basically told me I averaged about 50K a day. I, yeah. I know I did more than yes. that, especially in the beginning, but you know, that, you know, like, like I said, when a race gives you the time to do that, you know, when you have the time that, you know, okay, I'm going to be able to do 30 K get two hours of solid sleep and then do another 30 K two hours of solid sleep. And then, so then it averages out to about 50 K a day, right? Like you don't feel like you're doing 50 K a day, but you know, that's really what you're covering between mm. the stopping and the and you know whatever you're doing so it really i do think this it lends itself more to somebody who's going out really for kind of like a hiking holiday right yeah. but yeah. part of it is because of that elevation you know 31 31000 meters is a lot that's a lot you know. and this is where you know i i i don't look at details very much <laughs> i saw 200 miles and i saw 150 hours and I was like, well, that's pretty generous you know i didn't realize no, no one told you you're gonna have to do the equivalent yeah. of mount everest four times right right <laughs> yeah yeah but but then for me i think that's kind of a great equalizer because you're right in the sense that the people who think that they're great downhill runners end up either you know, really crashing their quads on the first yes. couple downhills when they don't realize that they're going to be, you know, five miles, you know, so long, or it becomes so technical that you really just can't run that way. And especially yeah. when you're tired, you know, the best thing there is, you know, kind of that relentless forward motion, as long yeah. as you're, is an eating, staying on top of the eating and the drinking is, super important and i think there because it's all real food they don't it's no bars or candy yeah, or any just real, crap. It's real food yeah and that yeah it really does i think it helps it makes a it makes a big difference because you're fueling your body to do what your body's going to do which is that long sort of extended low cardio you yeah. know pushing like it's it I think it really is more about strength there than necessarily like running you know which, what I um, mean? yeah which i prefer <laughs> yes i know you <laughs> stuff this running stuff <laughs> that's too much hard work <laughs> yeah i mean i can't like i can't even fathom i know i think serena broke the record this year the first female finisher 
and the man, you know, I can't even fathom how fast they're running that. Now, granted, they're not sleeping at all, uh, but okay. still, like, I just can't even imagine. No. And, and to be honest, it just isn't like where my heart is or what I want to do. Like, you know, I want to challenge my body in the way that I think it can, it can move at its best. Right. Yeah. And that's why I think something like this was better for me because it was uh, difficult, but it was something that I thought I had the experience that I could do, you know, yeah. or I hoped, I hoped. Plus it was just, it is beautiful. And I, most of the races, you know, whether it's the ones from this year or the ones from the last 15 years that I've been doing ultra running, most of them I've joined because I saw pictures and I was like, I want to be there, yeah. you know, yeah. or I heard about the community and like six foot track was like that for me. When I was in Australia, I met some of the people, Jane and, yeah. and, and I just loved them so much. And I was like, I want to be around these people. I'm like, what is this? Six foot? And when I got out to six foot track, I had been running in Newcastle, which is yeah. flat. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, I had never, we'd never been to the, is the blue mountains. Right. Yes, and yeah. I had, we'd never been out there. And I was just like, what are all these rocks? And I can't even run on this stuff. But I just love the people so much. Yeah. And I like the community of it, right? And that's, I think, what I search for when I look at different races that I do. It's more about the community that I'm going to be spending the couple of days. Because you know that you're going to be sort of just immersed in that world, right? Yes. Mm. Yeah. Mm. All righty. Well, thank you so much, Lourdes, for coming on the podcast. Oh. We'll have to do another one to find out because um, we've actually been on for a while. Find out about the other races you've done because I'd love to know more about the Dragon's Back and all that sort of stuff too. Not that I want to do that one. Oh, that sure. too scary for me. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I got to do, I got, I did it. I got lucked out and I did it before they made it six days. Five days was enough. Ah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'd want to go back to do six, but I have to be honest. I I'm very tempted. I I have looked quite a bit at Cape Wrath, which is their, the sister race. That's right. Yeah. That's in Scotland. But um, every year I kind of follow it. Last year was just like the weather was just yes. awful. Like the and, and entire that's the time. It, it was which just makes it. And we've seen yeah. videos of it where they're running through ankle deep bog and yeah. and it just doesn't look like fun at all. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no. It might be lovely. And I do, you know, yeah, and lovely, I definitely but, oh, that yeah. doesn't look Yeah, good. it isn't there's there is I think it's in Scotland or I don't know if it's Scotland or uh uh England. It's called the Lakeland. The Lakeland three I've heard of that one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, the Lakeland district or something. It's like a three day, which uh, I think would be it, and a lot of people do that in training uh, for okay. it. Cause it's, three day, you know, it's kind of a nice way short. to get into stage. You know, yeah. well, well, it's short, but it's a good way to introduce yourself to stage racing. Cause it is very different. You know, it like is. we're so used to going and going and going till you kind of collapse. Right. Yeah. Whereas here you're like forced to stop. And then all of a sudden you're like sleep and you're like, well, what do you mean? I got like 24 more hours of being awake. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? And then all of a sudden at six in the morning, you have to go and you've probably fallen asleep at four. Yeah. And so it's, it, it, it's a very, it's a very different dynamic. I would like to try to do more of it, you know, in the U S and here in Canada, I don't, there's just not very much of it. Right. Uh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah not much you know, quite. Yeah. Yeah. 
All righty. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for joining okay, us. Okay. And we will oh, speak you. to you again, no doubt. All right. Hang on okay. the line. We'll say goodbye. Okay. Bye. Okay.